Good morning, everyone. It's really good to be back. It doesn't actually feel like I've been away for that long. It's funny how you kind of think that lots of things will have changed here as well, because my days were very different to how they are here, but actually life seems to kind of continue a few changes. <laughs> it's very strange. Um, so I arrived back in London a week ago today, so I haven't been back that long, so it all feels a bit strange at the moment still. I'm still kind of trying to process kind of what I've experienced and coming back. It's like a different world there. Um, and I kind of feel like I've lived in a bit of a bubble over there for the year. Um, so behind me, there's a few kind of highlights of pictures, which I will try and refer to throughout my talk. Um, so I've kind of, well, Sam gave me a few pointers to kind of help me organize my thoughts. So I hope I've done that. And I've kind of just typed some notes, which I might or might not share with you. So I'd like to see as well. <laughs> Please, can I have some? <laughs> um, so those of you who don't know, I think many of you will know, I have spent the last 10 months in Harare in Zimbabwe. Um, so before that, I was a teacher at a school in Brooklyn, so not very far from here, for six years. And it's been a journey, because in 2010, I did a tier fund mission trip for three months. And that was where, that was before I started teaching, that was where I really felt God telling me, oh, I think you should teach. I think you've got, that's your calling and that's the skills you've got. So I came back, I did my PGCE, and then I always kind of felt that if I was, if I was to teach, I'd really like to go and share my skills with teachers in another country. Um, so an opportunity came up through INET with um, Greg and Sophie Sanguine, who are part of Catford Community Church. And seven years ago, they were asked to go and run a preschool in uh, part of Harare by the church there. Um, and then since then, they spent the whole seven years there pretty much with a few trips back in between. Um, and they now have a primary school all the way from ECD, which is like early years, all the way up to grade six with grade seven opening in January. So they were looking for somebody to go as a gap year teacher, that's what they called it, um, to go and help them with the training of their teachers. So I have spent my year um, working alongside local teachers and training them as well in different things that we do here in the UK. So the school comes under One Way Ministries and they've, it's always been sold as a British Standards School in Zimbabwe. And they like to say that they are in a stable Christian environment as well. So they are a Christian school as well. Um, and this school is very different to other schools in Zimbabwe. Um, so many schools and all of the teachers' backgrounds is very much in textbook teaching. So that brought up many challenges as well. So it's amazing how far they've come, and even in the time I've been there, how far they've come as well. And as well as myself, Greg and Sophie and their family have also returned to the UK. So this last year has been all about transition and handing over the leadership of the school to the local people, because the whole mission of the school was always to empower the local people. It wasn't for us British people to go out there and run it forever. So it's been a really exciting year, um, and every day has been different. <laughs> um, and I'm sure you're aware that Zimbabwe is facing many challenges at the moment. So people say, oh, well done, you survived Zimbabwe. And I kind of think I should have a t-shirt, because the last year, I've seen a lot. Um, so just to name a few, there's been a cholera outbreak, hyperinflation rates, food rations, fuel shortages, and very long queues. Even now, it's the most expensive fuel in the world, and you have to 
queue for about half a day to get a full tank of fuel. Um, regular power cuts. I heard yesterday that the, um, because of the power shortages, they're thinking they're having to switch off the power between um, 4 a.m. and 10 p.m. every day, pretty much. Um, so it's very difficult to kind of run businesses with that. Lots of water shortages. There was a drought, a very dry, rainy season. And then I'm sure you heard about the cyclone as well. So people are really suffering now. Um, and it's made me think there's a lot we take for granted living in the UK. Like, I mean, I, I was privileged that I had a, a nice house to live in when I was there. I was well supported. I had access to foreign currency as well, which made my life more comfortable than the local people I was working with. However, it was still harder than it is living in the UK. Um, so the economic situation is making everyday, everyday life very challenging for many people, especially those who don't have foreign currency. Um, so when I first went, the local dollar, they were well, the government was saying it was one-to-one. -one. Well, it wasn't quite true, but they were saying that anyway. And then for a time, it was one, local one US dollar to three of the local dollars, and now they reckon the rate is something like one to eight, which fluctuates throughout the day as well. So their money, local money, is becoming more and more worthless, and you can't actually use it anywhere else. And with that as well, the prices of basic items, food items like bread, is on the rise. Um, supermarkets have stopped actually putting prices on the shelves because it can change by the time you get to the till as well. So this makes it incredibly difficult for um, people to budget. I think something that really kind of got me was the fact that basic medical supplies are also out, outpriced for many people as well. So uh, one of our teachers, her name is Chessie, she has a boy who's 18 months, and he had a nasty infection. And she said she couldn't afford to take him to the doctor. Um, and basic, so basic medicine, she felt, was out of reach for her. So we were able to help her take her to the doctor. She got some medicine. That's something we don't think about in this country. But there, people are actually going to die if they can't access some of this basic medical supplies. Um, something else that challenged me was attitudes in the church that people had out there. So often there were lots of things going on with the people at our school in terms of struggles they were having. And the church didn't seem to really care about helping their own people. But if there's an international person come, they will put them up for a week. They will look after them for a week, um, things like that. And so we tried as a school to kind of communicate with them that the staff were struggling. Staff were struggling to afford the um, fare to get to work every day. Um, so we asked them if they could stay in some of the rooms at the church. And they kind of just said no. So lots of challenges like that and like kind of, kind of hierarchy within the church as well, which challenged me as well. Um, although attitudes and education are important, there are certain things as well that they don't really understand. So a lot of kind of, I suppose, a battle we, we have had is showing them different ways and approaches to teaching. Um, and with that, challenges such as work ethic, timing, and efficiency was quite different. 
Um, there were definitely some things some of the staff did, which they would lose their jobs here if they did. So that, that was entertaining at times. Like, for example, um, I've shared this story with some of you. Um, one, one teacher, um, in their planning time, decided he would go and take a bath in a friend's room who was staying at the centre. So lots of things like that are quite funny. However, we were trying to say to them, we're offering you a job. You've got kind of professional things you need to work towards as well. But anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's entertaining as well. So God has shown that he is good. I am very thankful for his provision for me personally over the last year. I want to say thank you to everyone in this room. Thank you for all your prayers. Thank you for those of you who have supported me financially. And thank you for your, all your generosity in February when we were able to buy groceries for all our staff. So the photo is the bottom left down here. So that was one practical way we felt we could help our staff. Um, it might not seem much here is buying cooking oil or sugar or flour, but these were all items which were all completely outpriced for our members of staff. And they were actually struggling to feed their families. So I was actually blown away by everyone's generosity here. I was not expecting nearly as much money as I received then. And they got, it was a bucket about this size each. And one of our members of staff, his dad is diabetic. I don't know if this story was shared before, but I'm going to share it again. <laughs> um, he's our grade six teacher. So his father is diabetic, and he had to go and get medicine from South Africa using foreign currency, and Prosper had spent his whole month's salary on getting his father the, the medication he needed. And he said, I have nothing left. This was like a week into the month after you've been paid. So he said, the fact that I now have all these groceries which will last me and my family, not just him, his family as well, because often Zimbabweans are expected to look after their family and provide for their family in terms of food as well. So he was like blown away by that generosity and support as well. So I just want you to be encouraged by that, that your, your donation, however small it was, or if you were just praying, it went a long way. And, they, and the fact that people here cared for them as well really encourage them as well because people are desperate there and people very easily think oh people don't care about me no one's helping me so the fact that you guys were able to do that is amazing um, and some of you will know as well that in December we were almost made homeless so our landlady wanted us to move out of the house um, but after a lot of prayer and negotiations we were able to stay in that house until June so that was really good so thank you again for everyone who prayed for that situation as well I was also gifted with several donations throughout the year by friends from the UK um, which really helped to develop certain projects within the school so one time about a week before Easter my brother was coming out with another friend as well and a friend of my parents from their church emailed me and said, oh, I really liked your newsletter. I really enjoy reading what you're doing there and seeing what's going on at One Way School. Um, I'd like to donate some money for either you personally or however you feel fit within the project of the school. And I was able to say to her that I was actually quite comfortable financially for myself personally. Um, and I thought, oh, my, maybe it's about £200. I don't know how much it is. And then she was asking about how much money could be taken out there because the only way to get it out there is by hard cash of the US dollar. Um, and she said, is £1,000 too much? <laughs> um, so 
yeah, that was amazing. And that has meant that we have been able to um, completely refurbish and extend our kitchen. Um, so that's a great help. And that's a really good thing that's really sustainable for the school moving forward as well. And as well as that, I was able to develop the library area. Did I put a picture of it? Yeah, top, top right up there. Um, and that's also been made into a sensory space as well. So we are a very inclusive school at One Way School, um, and there are many children with various needs who would be completely turned down by any other school as well. So we were able to um, do our best to um, make provisions for them as well. So that also will be a really good asset to the school in offering those children a safe space to be as well. Many of the children we work with as well come from quite, quite a traumatic background, whether their parents have died for some reason or um, a couple of children, their, pa their mother was raped. Um, so there's lots of like scars there and this just makes it a safe place for them when they come to school. Um, the school is, in fact, a miracle. <laughs> it's been really nice to see those miracles and hear stories from Greg and Sophie about their journey to making the school what it is now. And there have definitely been times where I think they could have easily walked away. There have been times in the last year we all felt like we could just walk away now. But God has pulled through. And in times like this that Zimbabwe is facing, times are quite dark for people. They are definitely in a storm at the moment. However, the school is full to capacity, so it has 250 children with a waiting list as well, so every single class is full. They have 24 local members of staff, so we have 30 children in a class and two adults in most classes as well. Most of the children would go to government school, which you would find one teacher with about 60 to 70 children. So already that is like a huge difference for their education. And the way you kind of think about it as well is you're not just serving the children in each class, you're also serving their families. You're also serving the staff as well. So actually it's close to a thousand people that are probably kind of getting something from the school as well. Um, something I've learned as well is that his timing is perfect. I think my whole journey to this last year is testament to that. Like, everything just kind of was able to fall in place when it needed to. We were gifted money when we needed it as well. Um, people came through when we needed that to happen as well. And even though there were weeks, we're like, oh, come on, we were getting really impatient about things not happening, things not going our way. Somehow, they did. <laughs> so in terms of last year for me personally, I've enjoyed the freedom. I've had a lot of freedom to do what I felt was the right thing to do for the school. And all the way through the year, I've been asking myself, what, what can I do that's going to make this school sustainable? So I was based all over the school, so I've been in every class, working alongside the teachers there and training them up as well. And it's been amazing to see them all growing confidence in themselves. When I first started Auntie Liche, she, um, she's a grade two teacher. She was always coming to me and saying, oh, Hannah, I don't know how to do this. And then the last, since February, I've basically walked away from her class. And every time I've gone in, I'm like, wow, you're doing what I've been talking to you about. So that's really encouraging and really good to see that, that growth and confidence in her as well. A lot of our teachers as well, at some point in their life, have had challenges where they've been told, oh, you can't do this. So actually, I think it's been really empowering for them to be told, yes, you can do it. And to give them the ownership as well of doing that. 
Something I've learned to do as well is um, letting go of control. <laughs> I think there's many times we like to control situations ourselves. And I think I've learned that actually there's certain things that I can't control. And that's okay. It doesn't make it easy. <laughs> um, but I think I was reminded of um, Philippians 4, 4 to 6, where it says, be anxious about nothing and hand everything over to God. And that it will all come through eventually. And I think there's lots of things over the last year that have happened that I can agree with that statement. So, But it's not easy. <laughs> um, and definitely I've got appreciation of um, things that I have and things that are important to me. So things that I found that are really important are family. I don't just mean my nuclear family. I mean extended family and my spiritual family as well. I think that's really important to have that support. And I felt really well supported in the times I was away as well. Um, friends as well and then just basic things like having water and access to medical care and you know enough money to get by as well and it's given me the opportunity as well to develop personally as a leader and I really enjoyed the mentoring side of what I did as well and that's something I hope that as I go forward I can continue to do as well so in terms of next steps for the school it's actually an exciting season for the school so we have now handed over, and we've been doing this since January, the leadership of the school. So we now have Onyas, who is the head of the school, and then we have Prince, who is the junior leader of the school, and then we have Patience, who is the infant leader of the school. So they have been shadowing myself, Greg, and Sophie over the last few months. And we were actually feeling quite redundant over the last couple of weeks that we were there, which is a good thing. <laughs> it felt a bit strange, but it meant that they were kind of really taking on and they were coming up with lots of ideas of how they can implement things into the school as well and we were really greatly encouraged by that so Sophie is going to be very much involved in the decisions of the school um, she's going to have weekly meetings with the head to kind of talk things through and she is still a member of the school board as well so she'll be in, still be have a voice in terms of salaries and um, certain children coming in and developments of the school as well so it's nice to think that our time there isn't ended by us coming back now so I am not just walking away I still feel very much part of the one way school family and I am planning on still continuing to support teachers where I can from here um, and I said to them the world is actually a small place when you've got whatsapp you've got email the world is a very small place um, so you know, it's e easy to, for them to contact us on ideas for that as well. Um, and I am planning on going back for a week in February to do some teacher training as well. Because they want to have that continued investment of teachers from the UK going out there. Okay, we won't be there all the time. However, I think there's a lot that can be done from this end as well. In September, I am returning to Beecroft Garden. Um, so I feel like that was kind of God's plan as well that he, he provided that job for me beforehand. I've been away for a year, and I'm going back there. And with this, I feel there's a lot of um, development that could happen between the schools as well. So I've actually made a book, of um, a one-way school book, which I'm going to take back to Beecroft as a gift. And it's to show different, uh, different themes of how children live in Zimbabwe. And with that is the idea that actually children aren't that different, whether they're in London or whether they're in Zimbabwe. Children are children. And I hope to do the same when I go back. So I feel like that is a really good link that we can, we can start between the schools. And in um, 
hopefully end of this year, maybe next year, we're hoping that the new head of school and his wife, who's a teacher, can visit the UK as well and come and see for themselves firsthand what, um, what schools are like in the UK as well. So that's really exciting, actually, some of those projects that are going to be hopefully happening over the next year. And also, I think there's definite kind of support that can happen financially in terms of resources for the school. Um, so things like stationery are very expensive over there. So we've managed to take a lot of resources like that over there. So we hope that with teams going out, they can also raise money to do that as well. So I just want to share a few things with you. Um, so this is, where is she? Down here. This lady here. Looking very happy. Um, I just think of Joy when I think of her. So she is Lorraine. She, is, um, she was actually the first teacher employed by One Way School. And she has faced an awful lot of challenges in her life. But every time I see her, she's got that smile on her face. And she just, like, loves God so much and wants to do his work and wants to help others so much. Um, so she lives in, um, literally is in two sheds, not that far from school. She has four girls, and she's now expecting her fifth daughter as well. Um, and the father has walked away recently as well. So she's on her own. She has no family to support her at all. So she's supporting all these girls. And every time I see her, I'm like, how are you so joyful? You've got all these things happening, all these challenges, yet you're so joyful. But she's like, well, I've got my family. I've got, I've got a job. <laughs> so all these little things... People here, I find, are a bit like, yeah. <laughs> There's always more we want to have. I gave her quite a lot of my clothes and a few other things when I came. And the joy in her face is like nothing I've seen before. I'm like, they're clothes I've worn for a year. I don't really want to wear them anymore. <laughs> um, so, yeah. I've, and also, the children. These are some of the most lovely girls as well. And you tell her that, and she's just a bit like, really? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> they are really lovely girls. So she's actually due to give birth in the next couple of weeks. So please keep her in your prayers that that all goes well as well. Also what I've learned is that loving others is important. And I feel like this is what God wants us to do. No matter of their background, no matter of what they do or don't have, he wants us to live alongside others who are maybe not like us. But there's a lot you can learn from that as well. Um, and collaboration was a big word that kept coming to mind as well. The fact is, actually, we can't do this by ourselves. We need, we need God. We need each other. We need to be family together as well and have that respect for others too. It's been such a privilege to share life with uh, the beautiful local people who, despite the many challenges in every day, want to help shape young children's lives. And the joy in the teachers' faces, like we knew about what was going on at home or whatever it was, yet they still came in that joy. And the same with the children as well. These children, their parents are probably struggling to buy bread, for example. Here you wouldn't think of them. But the joy they came into school with was something like I've never seen before. And I just want to end by the next slide. And I thought this actually tied in quite nicely with what you've been thinking about as a church this week. So I really wanted to... Um, do like a collaborative art project that was going to be on the front wall of the school. Because we had quite a few people come into the school who said, oh, I didn't realise there was a school here. Um, so Sophie and I kind of 
talked through a few ideas. And I really like the idea of trees. I just think that represents um, lots of things in terms of planting a seed and then growing and then like the children being the branches as well. Uh, and then on those trees as well, we've got the, the fruits of the spirit as well. And they're kind of key words that as a school we are talking about with the children and talking about what they mean as well. So every single member of one-way school, so all the adults, all the children, they came and put their handprint on the, on the tree as a leaf, as a sign that we are family and we are all part of God's family as well. And then we chose a verse. We wanted to quite a simple verse, but something that, that kind of struck people as well. So our verse that we chose was, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me as well. And I think that word strength is really needed in Zimbabwe right now as well. Um, and also, it's something we need in the church locally as well as globally as well. And just to finish off, i just got a few prayer points if you would like to pray over the coming weeks as well. Um, so the first thing is for everyone who is part of the one-way school family, they are all affected in some way by the economic crisis and it doesn't seem to be getting any better right now. For all the staff, especially the leadership team, as they settle into their new roles and they seek wisdom for the new season of the school as well. So in January, they are opening their final class of grade seven and they'll sit exams. They are also registering with the the uh, Ministry of Education to become an official school where they can have their exam results um, issued as their exam results. Um, so it would be such an amazing thing if they can be one-way school who got this pass rate. So please pray that all the paperwork goes through for that. There's lots of kind of hoops to jump through. Um, it's not that simple. So that would be amazing if that could happen. And for myself personally, as I settle back into life in the UK and know the best way to support One Way School from where I am here as well. Um, could some people who know and love Hannah come up and pray for her together? Assemble. Up, 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 up. Good. Let's spend a few minutes in prayer, Hannah. Well, Lord Jesus, thank you so much for all that we've just heard. And just really struck by um, how, how this year kind of flowed and how it was that Hannah just had a prompting from you and just said yes. And everything else kind of flowed from that yes. Um, and Lord, thank you for that. Thank you for her courage. Thank you for her being able to step out into the unknown. Um, and Lord, it's great that the year has gone so positively, but... Um, I want to pray into that that instinct of saying yes to you, that that would be something that hasn't just happened and now that's done, great, but that her whole life would be governed by that kind of um, listening and saying yes and listening and saying yes. So thank you for this adventure um, and thank you for what that kind of response to you will lead to um, as well as she keeps saying yes and as she keeps hearing from you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for how you've uh, looked after Hannah for this past year. I uh, pray for her upcoming year and moving back into uh, her previous school at uh, Beecroft. Um, God, I pray that um, 
she remains present in what she's learned over the past year and is continuing passing stuff on and staying grounded in this uh, uh, wider reality that she knows mm. and I pray that uh, it's all yeah it will really pass on to other staff members and, st- and students mm. at um, the school she is returning to Father, we um, just want to praise you for what you do in us and through us and the, the partnership that you, the privilege of the partnership that you give us, Lord, to work with you. Thank you that you took Hannah and you placed her in, a, in somewhere far away that she'd never been before and she was able to plant something in you. Um, and Lord, it's you who make things grow. Um, and so we pray for all that planting that she's done, Lord, the words, the teaching, um, just of her very self, the love that she has given, um, the relationships that she's built. Lord, we pray for fruitfulness. You have told us that you've chosen us and appointed us to go and bear fruit. So, Lord, make this grow. Um, make this uh, continue to be fruitful. Lord, thank you for the investment from Sophie and Greg, too, and the, and the incredible work of the school. You've done that, Lord. You've done that through your people. You've done that by your power. Holy Spirit, continue to work and, and, and increase um, what you have done, um, even in the midst of this dark place, Lord, you, your light shines. We thank you for that. Bless you, Lord. Yeah, bless you. Yeah, and I just want to pray that verse. I am confident that he who began a good work in me will carry it through to completion until the day of Christ. And Father, we just pray for what you've started in Hannah. You will carry through to completion. And that what you've been doing in one way school mm. will be carried through to completion because you care for Hannah mm. and you care for that school, Lord. Mm. So we just pray that in Jesus' name. Thank you, Hannah. Thank you so much. That's really, really good. Um, just want to do in our, our last little section, we haven't got much time left, just mention a few things from our week of prayer. Um, and we're going to sing a song or two of worship in that time as well. The Bible passage we chose for the week is John 15. Jesus said, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. And if you got to hear for good, it was kind of transformed into a bit of a garden. Uh, and I was shocked when I arrived last Sunday night that all these wonderful real plants, it wasn't just a few plastic things, but basically Dragona brought her garden from her back garden and brought it in to here for good. And it's been a one, everyone's loved it. I'm, I'm just disappointed you didn't bring it today for this morning. You know, you could have moved it all up the hill for this morning and then back down again. But the disappointment for you is that people don't want to lose this garden. So you can't have it back. It's going to stay uh, here for good. Very sorry about that. But it's been great to pray. And uh, I've talked to a few people that just felt songs of worship stirring in their hearts. Or they found it easier to pray this week because we set aside time to pray together as a church. You can be more aware of God, more aware of his presence. Uh, Just if you make that time for him. And I think that prayer paves the way for God to move. And as we have prayed and as we go on praying, we can expect God's power to move more fully. 
And if a church is praying, then we can expect to kind of get into gear again and move forward as a church. So I think it's been crucial. Uh, We've had a few, uh, this book uh, has got kind of a record of some of the things that were prayed into uh, during the week. You can have a look through in coffee time. But a few images have stuck with me or passages. I'm not going to share them all, obviously, in this time. Uh, One of them were uh, fire and water. They're kind of familiar metaphors in Christian circles. And fire and water, they can be very attractive and life-giving. Fire, a source of warmth and light. Water, an oasis, a refreshing rain, something that's thirst-quenching. But they can also be very powerful and destructive at times. Fire, purging and cleansing. Water, washing away and cleansing. They can sweep things away, but if they do, that's to prepare the ground for new things to grow up in the future. So those images of fire and water. Knowing that God affirms us and loves us is very powerful as well. We had a friend's uh, leaders of other churches locally came in, and one of them gave us 1 Peter chapter 2. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God's special possession. And it's wonderful to hear God's affirming voice, isn't it? Another image was a a lump of clay. I don't know how many of you model clay, uh, but it's been dry, but it's made wet and malleable again. And it's being remolded by God for the future. That's something to pray into as a church. How's God going to make us not uh, brittle and fixed but malleable and what does God want to do with us to remold us so we're in that place where he can use us for his kingdom more effectively in the future so a lump of clay and you can apply it personally as well and a reference is Jeremiah 18 1 to 6 where God makes a pot and then it hasn't turned out right and he pulls the clay together again and makes a new pot what's God going to do in us personally and as a church along those lines. Uh, another word about the two of the great offices in the Bible of king and priest. And a priest may be more about prayer and worship and a king about wisdom and exercising authority and taking decisions. And when those two are in harmony, the church will move forward. So when we're prayerful, but also in God's wisdom, taking the right decisions then we're going to move forward in God's purposes. And then finally, an encouragement for us to reach out. Uh, It's not all internal stuff in the church. We're here for the community. We're here for the world. We're here to be part of God's mission. And uh, Naomi brought a book, Scattered Saints, uh, and mentioned it. And Pat had mentioned that book to me a couple of weeks ago. So two people had mentioned it. It's not so much about getting people into the church But it's a book about everyone, everywhere. All of us, wherever we are in life, our workplaces, our families, our networks, being someone that's bringing the authority and the presence of Jesus into those places. And John Putley had a word here last Sunday morning about everywhere we go, we're taking God's presence with us. So that's significant. Not clamming up in fear, but exercising the authority God's given us and being a faithful witness of Jesus. So those are some of the things that that came out. And then we're going to land on John 15. And I'm going to share one point, and then Luke's going to lead us in worship, and then Sam's going to share the other two.
John 15 says, I am the true vine. And this is Jesus speaking. And it's one of the seven famous I am sayings in John's gospel. And those sayings, you can look them up, show us something of the nature of who Jesus is. Uh, The vine, people are familiar with vines. It was a symbol of Israel as well. But often they failed to produce fruit or they produce wild grapes. They produce bad fruits. And Israel is the vine of God, but weak and failing at times. But Jesus comes as the true Israel, the true vine that we're all part of. And we want to be grafted into Jesus. So the question is, have we made that step? Have we trusted Jesus with our lives? Are we grafted into the vine of who he is? And if we are, are we drawing life, spiritual life, from him regularly, daily? And that's the privilege we have. Are we connected to Jesus? Have you made that step? And if you are, are you drawing spiritual life from him? Then it talks about my father is the gardener or the vine dresser. And if you read it, it talks about God tending the garden. And we should have the expectation that God is working in our lives and in our church and tending us. Uh, And we thought about pulling up weeds and cleaning off branches, whatever. God is tending us and we want him to tend our lives individually and our families and our church. And there's a process in tending the vine. And if you look at verse 2 of John 15, it says this. Firstly, verse 1, I'm the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes. And the first part of the tending process, it says there, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. That sounds a bit condemning, a bit difficult. The NIV says he cuts off. The New American Standard said he takes away. And sometimes I mishear those verses. I think it says, every branch in me that bears no fruit, he cuts off. So that's the idea. There's fruitful parts of my life and other parts that aren't, and he cuts those away. But it's not talking about me. Jesus is saying, every branch in me that bears no fruit is cut off. Is that what he's really saying? Every person in Jesus who's not being fruitful is removed. Is that really what it means? So if you're feeling unproductive, does that mean you're in danger of being cut off from Christ? If you jump ahead to verse 6, that does talk about uh, branches that uh, are thrown away. And verse 6 says this, if anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch thrown away that withers, and such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire. But those branches are not in Jesus, and that's why they wither. So how come in verse 2 it's saying, I am in Jesus, but I'm going to be cut off if I'm not fruitful? Now, I'm going to get into terrible trouble with Moss, who is our resident Greek uh, citizen or uh, from Greece. But uh, apparently in the Koine Greek of the New Testament, there's a verb there uh, that's been translated cut off, and it's the verb ero. Not the chocolate bar, spelled A-I-R-O. Maybe it's not in, in modern Greek, but it's there. In yeah? Okay. Um, and that verb 
I've been told, can mean to remove, but it could also mean to lift up or pick up. And if you take it in that way, it could read, every branch in me that's not fruitful, he will lift up. And if you think about a vine, uh, the first thing you would do if there are branches that are in the vine and they're trailing along the ground, not doing very well in the darkness, then the first thing you do is lift them up, put them on a trellis, give them some air, give them access to the sun in the hope that they will be fruitful. So I like that alternative reading. It's not straight away the father's going to tend uh, the vineyard and cut everything off. The first thing he does, if you're unproductive, he's going to lift you up. He's going to give you some light. He's going to give you some air. He's going to give you the chance to bear fruit. That's the first action. And the second action is to uh, prune away. And that's fruitful branches are going to be pruned. Sam's going to talk about that in a minute. And the third action is to make more fruitful. So there's the work of the gardener. And I hope that alternative reading is right. That first of all, we can be lifted up. Secondly, we can be pruned to make us even more fruitful. And thirdly, we're to be really, really fruitful. And that gives glory to God. Uh, Yesterday, I was at a school reunion. Anyone been to a school reunion? You don't go to them. I went along. Uh, my old school was 400 years old yesterday. Uh, I remember it well when it opened. And uh, they, they put on a really good day for us. And then you get this meal. And you get sat opposite the, the guy that was there the same time as you, but the annoyingly most successful person. Uh, that was there. So this guy was his name was Stephen. Uh, I don't remember him that well, but he was sitting opposite me. And so I said, "Well, Steve, what do you do?" He said, "Well, I'm kind of semi-retired." And I thought, "Okay." Uh, we had a few companies. He said we employed 160,000 people, uh, but now I've kind of let some of them go. I just sit on a few boards now, and I help charities get established and become sustainable financially. And I'm mentoring the next generation of entrepreneurs. I thought, well, not much then. <laughs> and I said, where do you live? He said, oh, it's interesting. We travel the world. And we've got a house in Surrey. We've got a flat in Singapore and a, a place in America. And then we kind of travel around. Okay, fine. And I said, look at your name badge. It says, Professor. And yeah, where are you based? He said, I've got, I've got four chairs, uh, three at UK universities and one in America. Uh, he also found time to have had a career break and become a Buddhist monk for a while. And you sat next to the most annoyingly <laughs> successful person. And you, yeah, he says, what do you do? Well, I kind of... <laughs> I live in Forest Hill. And I volunteer at the food bank. <laughs> and uh, Sam's going to talk about fruitfulness. So uh, maybe it's not the same as success. And I hope when we we finish off on fruitfulness in a few minutes' time, we'll think, well, I'd rather be fruitful for Jesus than to be successful in the world's eyes. So we want to find out about that. We're going to sing. And the key to this, there's the lifting up of Jesus. There's being cleaned and pruned to be made more fruitful. Uh, There's that fruitfulness that he brings we want to see in our lives and our churches. The key is to abide in Christ, to remain in him, 
to nurture that living connection with who Jesus is. We also looked at Psalm 91 that says, If you say, the Lord is my refuge, and you make the Most High your dwelling place, then wonderful things will happen. So let's just think about being in Christ and abiding in Christ with this song. And then Sam will say a couple of quick things about pruning and about fruitfulness. Let's stand together and sing this song and not not strive in it, but the thought we have in this song is to abide or remain or be alive in Jesus. Thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Before 
Okay, take a seat. Good news is we're ahead of time. We've only got two more prayer activities uh, left in the extended time of worship. Please. Um, as Nigel said, one of the things we've been thinking a lot about this week is abiding. Um, another theme that's kind of come up a few times that Nigel also has just shared about um, is the idea of pruning, which obviously of, often, well, Nigel's talked a lot. I'm not going to say... No, not talk too much. I didn't mean that as like too much. I mean fully explained. So what we're going to do now is we're going to do um, uh, just a, a short exercise as we just pray together about what God's pruning um, might look like for us as a church. Um, and now the easiest thing to do in this kind of context um, is to become immediately very critical because we look at all the things about us or our lives together that we would want to cut. But really that's not the issue, is it? It's what does the Holy Spirit want to set us free from a little bit? Um, the passage that came to mind when I was thinking about this was Jesus at Mary and Martha's house and um, his words to Martha. Martha, you're worried about many things. Like you're, you're worried and you're anxious and you're carrying all this stuff. Um, but just one thing is necessary. And what are some of the things that we as a church are carrying that we just don't need to carry? It's, uh, we did a, a prayer activity um, based around this on Tuesday evening um, in one of our prayer meetings. Um, but it would be really cool just to do that briefly together. So can we just spend a moment asking the Holy Spirit about this? Is that okay? The way that we're going to do this um, is as you sit in your chair, I want you to make sure that you're sitting really comfortably, that your feet are on the ground, that you're kind of balanced in your posture, as it were, as balanced as you can be. Um, some of you appreciate that's uh, more difficult than others. Um, and just kind of have your hands um, open in your lap. Just uh, I can't do it because I'm holding the mic. We're just kind of open and together. And what those hands are going to represent in a moment is the things that we hold on to, that we don't need to hold on to, okay? So what we're going to do is we're going to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what are we as a church, what, what, what are we carrying that we don't need to carry? Is it, whether it's a, an emotion or a fear or um, like Hannah, Hannah raised something earlier, like the need to control. I thought that was a really interesting way you put that, um, kind of being set free from her need to control. But what is it for us as a church that maybe we're holding on to really tightly um, that we just need to let go of? And as you ask the Holy Spirit, as you get a sense of something, as you get a sense of maybe something that's in this room that doesn't need to be, or something that's governing us that shouldn't be, or something that's holding us back from being as fruitful as we can, that's weighing us down, what I want you to do is to kind of clench your hands together to kind of acknowledge that process happening. Is that okay? And then just a, a moment later, what we're going to do is we're going to allow ourselves to open our hands again as a kind of sign of God. We're offering this to you. Not that we can cut it off by itself. That pressure's not in the passage. Um, we're not expected to prune ourselves. We're expected to yield to the one who wants to help us. Is that cool? Um, okay. So, so in that posture... Um, your hands slightly open just on your lap, maybe. Just ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to us as a church? What are we carrying that's weighing us down, that's not helping us be fruitful? You're not trying to work it out. We're just trying to hear from God. And for some of us, it, it might be something like, okay, I can see that in this room. For others of us, it might be like, okay, this is for me personally. This is something that I'm carrying. 
And because I'm carrying it, it's holding us back as a body. Might be something about the past. Might be a fear about the future. Might be a relationship that's gone south. And even if your uh, mind is wandering a little bit, pay attention to that. Pay attention to the direction your mind wanders in. Um, Because that might be also Holy Spirit saying, check this out, look at this, be aware of this. And as you get a sense of something, what I want you to do is just clench your hands together and allow your hands to get tighter and tighter. And now we're going to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what is that doing to us? When we hold our hands like this, um, it starts to become uncomfortable, doesn't it? It starts to be like, actually, the blood finds it hard. It's harder for the blood to get around our fingers. It's harder for us to function. It's really hard to do anything when your hands are clenched. And God, we're aware that where there's things that we're carrying that aren't helpful, we're aware that they actually genuinely hamper us as a body. We're aware that they hold us back from loving each other properly. We're aware that they hold us back from being fruitful with you properly. And God, we, wanna, we want you to help us to let go. God, we give you permission to do that work on us as a body. Now what? Uh, we're going to do is just as you feel ready, as you kind of be fully aware of that thing that you're holding in your hand, be fully aware of the God who um, wants to release us from it. And just gently, just slowly and consciously um, ungrasp your hands. We're not saying, I ditch that thing forever because we can't. We're just offering the gardener the opportunity to lift it out, to lift it from us. Holy Spirit, in all these areas, would you have your way? In every part of our church life, would you have your way? Lord, we don't want to carry things that aren't helpful. Whether it's doubt, whether it's fear, whether it's resentment, whether it's regret, whether it's shame, whether it's unspoken things, whatever it is, we don't want to carry it, Lord. And so we kind of yield to you. Would you prune? Would you work? Would you move? Thank you that you never do it to shame us. You always do it to release us. You always do it to free us. Lord, over all these issues, you be the gardener. Amen. Amen. Well done. If, um, if those things you feel like, oh man, I really got a sense of something that's particularly pertinent that we actually need to work through in a more kind of 
far away, then please come and talk to me and Nigel afterwards, um, or whatever. We can pray with you. We could, um, it might be that a few of you have a similar thing. And, and so if you feel it really strongly, please come and share it with us, because it might be that the Holy Spirit is saying something across the room, but we don't have loads of time now to, to explore that. The last thing we're going to do is just to pray about our fruitfulness as a church. And the way we're going to do that is this. Um, we're going to get into small groups. If you're, if you're really not comfortable with that, then please, um, the, the way to avoid it is uh, to kind of bow your head and immediately look really spiritual. And then everyone will leave you alone. So, um, so if you're really not comfortable or you're new or you're just it's not what you want to do, please don't feel obligated or immediately terrified by this task. But otherwise, um, we want you to get in groups of three or four people. And the way we're going to pray um, through this exercise, we're going to pray out loud and together. Um, and what I want you to do is just super briefly, so maybe for a minute and a half, in your groups, share a couple of the ways that you see God bringing fruit in this place, in our church, among us, um, and and ideally things that are recent. So don't go. If you go, have to go back twenty years, we've got a real problem. Um, but but try and think of things that are relatively recent that you're like, hey, that's a sign of God's life in our church. Fruit is a very broad term, um, so it might be any kind of number of different things. But how are you seeing God move? And then pray into that that we'd see more of it. Is that okay? That's all. Uh, so groups of three or four, um, a minute and a half, what's a way or a couple of ways that we are seeing the move of the Spirit of God among us, the fruit of God's uh, work among us, and then pray into that that we'd see more and more and more. Um, Jesus said, it's to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, not just little bits, but much fruit. Um, and we want to be a group of people who see God doing loads of stuff, right? So... Um, either go into introverted mode or go in threes and fours. finish your prayers off where you are. We'd love to pray more, but our time has uh, gone. Sorry, it's been a bit long this morning. Thank you for being here. And uh, maybe today's been something about lighting a spark. And we don't want to finish praying now. We want to carry on praying. I want to offer prayer at the end of the service now. Uh, Lorraine at the back there, she's got her uh, reconstructive surgery operation this Thursday. So pray for that big operation on Thursday. And maybe we could pray for Lorraine before she goes. Uh, Rachel's heading off working up north. It'd lovely to pray for her and Galena and others. So if you'd like some prayer, we want to pray for you. If you could help with teas and coffees, please do. Let's spend some time together in refreshments. And then if you're in the young adults group, you're officially on set down. But I'm sure they'd be very happy if other people would like to help clear away. Just leave the chairs but everything else will need to be done in, in 15 minutes' time. So um, finish your prayers, stay for some refreshments, ask for prayer, and let's carry on and find ourselves more connected with Jesus, more in the flow of the Spirit, and bearing more fruit for the kingdom of God.